Sir Lewis Hamilton. Indeed. I well, was a sir already, to be honest. Uh, so did I. I thought he was a knight already. I thought he was a, a knight of the realm already. Uh, he was probably just the CBE, a lowly commander of the British Empire. And now he is a knight commander of the British exciting. Empire. Um, interesting. I mean, I, I looked, at, I saw some comments on Instagram before. Really? I didn't people. see anybody commenting other than being like, yay for Lewis. Yeah, most of them were like that. It, yeah. was, on a, it was on a post by The Voice. Most of them were quite were like that, basically yay for Lewis. Yeah. And then there were a couple like, oh, I like you, Lewis, but what are you doing taking that award? I mean, Lewis is not exactly um, anyone who's sort of like, and he's not an anti-establishment um, public figure by any stretch of the imagination, so I'm not sure why no. anyone would. He has been quite outspoken about... Um, being outspoken BLM, about the... But that's being not outspoken about the, Yeah, being outspoken about the, thinking that black people's lives have value is not the same as being anti-establishment. I'm pretty sure the majority of black people would think that their lives have value, even the ones who, you know, write race reports for the conservative government. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not pro-establishment or they don't believe in the trappings of establishment. And I suppose as well, yeah, like I personally wouldn't take one. It's not really my bag of fish or whatever you want to call it. Kettle. There we go. Mine, not my kettle of fish. Cup of tea. Whatever. Kettle, cup, teapot, spoon. I've just finished a lovely cup of tea. Um, It doesn't matter, you know, it's... It's I was going to ask you that, own. would you take one? So I guess the answer is no. I Classic mean, question, would you take one in a hypothetical I can't scenario. see any reason why they would ever want to give me one anyway. Um, so you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't become a DBE, a Dame Commander ew. of the British Empire? Would I become a Commander of the British Empire? A what Dame like? Commander. What do I look like to you? No, absolutely not. Yeah. The associations for me are not good ones. Um especially how closely it's linked, even in the name, to the British Empire. Just no, it's not for me. It doesn't yeah. fit within what I value. It doesn't sit fit within my personal politics. It's not that I don't, you know, recognise where I'm from, where's my home, where my family is settled, etc. But there's some things that still have t- entirely too many links and holdovers to the British Empire, colonialism, and what all of that has meant for people from where my family is from. So... No, not really. Yeah. Not for me. I mean, you didn't you? ask, but I'll answer. I, I don't think I would you just take did, uh, You wouldn't take the opportunity I to bow down think... in front of Lizzie? Oh, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. That would I've, warm your cockles. I've... Don't get me wrong. I would accept a knight of the thistle, uh, a knight of the garter. I mean, I'd accept You're going to need to explain what those are because I doubt anyone knows. I mean, I doubt well, they care, but tell us anyway. Or the Order of, Order of St. Michael, is it? So basically, you have different uh, chivalric orders or, well... You have different or you do have different orders. So <clears throat> you've got the order of the garter. I don't the know order if you can hear thistle. listeners, but my eyes have rolled so far back in my head that they you did ask for an out. explanation. I you did, did and I regretted it immediately. But keep going. So you have the order of the thistle. You have the order yeah. of the garter, and you have the order of the British Empire. So they're different uh, orders of of awards. Do regular plebs get those other orders of the thistles, so the, orders of the garter, or do they only ever get orders of the empire? So it's usually order of the, um, the British Empire that most people get. So the garter one, for example, that's like the most exclusive one. I think they're only ever allowed to be uh, somewhere in the low 20s. I think it's 23 members at one are there any, time. Are there any ethnics that have any of those? Order of the garter? I don't know. I doubt it purely because oh. of... The people who are in it are usually so like the queen and the and prince charles are like by by automatic are in it and then a couple of members of the royal family um and then it's people so it's like not, that usually who are in it 
um, I don't even, not even prime ministers or anything like that would be in it. Then you've got Order of the Thistle. I think that one was basically the Scottish equivalent. So the Order of the Garter was the English one from way back when, Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Then you had, before obviously England and Scotland were united, Scotland's equivalent was the Order of the Thistle. But even though they united and became Britain, they still kept the individual or, you know, the separate orders. Okay. Then there's a couple of other ones that I, there's another one which I think is mainly for people in the Commonwealth. I think that is, do you know, what? I can't remember. Uh, so that's another one. Maybe so it's usually awarded to people in other who from other countries. I think just yeah, other Commonwealth countries. Okay. Um, and then there's another couple of of others. But yeah, the the Order of the British Empire is the one that pretty much everybody is that's, awarded. It's that it's order. The one that sings to your soul the most, or no? Well, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'd I'd, I'd accept another one, but no, I I don't. Oh, so you say so, so you'd say you'd accept honors from the Queen for services to the Empire, but not that one specific. No, not to the Empire specific. Oh, you know, you know, you're trying to wind me up. No, 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 no. I'm trying to figure out where. Like where so... No, I'm just trying to figure out no. where in with regards to alignment with the Empire you fall. It's not, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, I, and I say I don't think because it's obviously it's easier for us to sit here. Who are probably never going to get anything like that and say, oh, and be, you know, at all right. Okay, of course. So, so I would say, no, no I would you never consider get... it righteous. I don't I think it is. I do. No, I think, I think it is. Because I, I could, I think the associations like yourself are too raw to accept something like that. But I, yeah. I caveat it by saying, I think just because it's you easy when you don't have something, yeah, it's easy when you don't have something shiny in front of you to say, oh, no, I would never take the shiny thing. But you know, because there's, there's, there's the recognition of there are a lot of people who have said, and there are people who have said um, that they would never accept it. Who then we see have gone on to accept it. So there's I think lots that's of people an who have never said they wouldn't accept it and just didn't accept it. Huh? And there's lots of people who never even thought about it when they were offered, still didn't accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just using those people as an example okay. to say it's very easy to say, oh, I wouldn't accept it. But then obviously we've seen some people when they w- were offered it, they did. So that's why I'm saying. You know, I'm just saying. You know, all I know is that some of our elders died after this Windrush scandal, and and so many of them are still awaiting compensation. So, yeah, things are much more important. I think also it just makes no sense too. Like there is no British Empire anymore. So what am I being a member or an officer or a commander of? But there's that. There's that. Something that doesn't exist. It's just Mm. so. Number one, it makes no sense, and number two, like you, the associations are just too raw. I, 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 nah, nah. Not for me, thanks. Well done to us pontificating on something that we will never receive or never even know. have access to. Like you said, Might be never know. Might Sure. Be. Never know. For services to political podcasting. Services to podcasting, you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Not Bain Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Another COVID Christmas. We spent the last week with Boris Johnson continually on our screens with his dishevelled hair. Geography teacher Chris Whitty by his side and flanked by the ever-present Patrick Valance, chief medical officer. I've seen too much of Boris this week, more than I needed to. But yes, of course, we're going to be discussing all of the new COVID restrictions that are coming in ostensibly because of this new Omicron variant. So you are going to be rounding up for us what's happened over the past week because there was a vote in Parliament yesterday. He's been on the TV screen three times. Sajid Javid's been on the TV all the time and avoiding people and all in the midst of the Christmas party stories. So it's basically, I think, 
you know what to be fair they've only just come out of uh hiding if we're being honest and when boris was on the tv he was a pre-recorded message about the rollout of plan b so let's start with the rollout of plan b so there was a vote in parliament about the plan b um the, the new plan B regulations, I say even new, it was basically retroactively. So there is now a requirement of uh, face coverings, so face masks essentially. So there's a requirement of face coverings um, in indoors on public transport. There is a requirement for in um, venues that are nightclubs, um, anywhere that has a dance floor essentially or anywhere that can be used as a night a nightclub or is open between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. There is also a requirement to have uh, face masks, not face masks, sorry, a COVID pass. But as me and you were having this conversation, the requirement is you either have to have a COVID pass, a negative test, with it taken within the last 48 hours, which can be loaded up if you uh, scan your negative test result and then you log it into t- test and trace and you have to have an email or text as proof to gain entry into these venues. And it is a requirement to have these to gain entry into any of these venues. It is, um, however, the first snag is now that there's no, there's no more lateral tests, lateral flow tests available online. Outside of that, the what is actually most important, which I wanted to talk about, and I've gone off track because I've started talking about the COVID regulations, is that in the vote, 99 Conservative um, MPs rejected the plans for vaccine certificates. And basically, this is the biggest um, revolt or rebellion of um, Conservative MPs since Johnson has been Prime Minister. And it's the biggest issue for us as the public is whether this is going to affect any larger rules that need to be passed out once if this gets any worse, which it feels like it might get worse before it gets better, is he, one, he doesn't have, he recognises that he doesn't have the support from his MPs and from his backbenches. And two, because he doesn't have the support, he's not going to do it because he's too afraid of the revolt. And another thing to note is um, if you were around for the... Theresa May vote of no confidence and the triggering of a leadership election. He is now over the threshold of um, 56 MPs needed to figure a vote of no confidence in his le- leadership. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but it's just important to take note of that. Just because I think the undermining, I mean, he's been un- there's been the slow erosion of trust in this government since before the start of this pandemic. And I think at this time where the plan B, the the rise of the Omicron variant and all the stuff that's happening with all of these COVID Christmas parties, it has really just sort of shaken the foundation of the Conservative Party. There is a lot of backlash with regards to um, vaccination passports and also which is because it's this is not just about vaccination passports it's about the slow sweep of vaccination passports so first it starts with this and then it expands and then it expands and then it expands and that is what the rebellion is about is the requirements um for vaccine passports eventually is what i think a lot of um the M- the conservative mps are rebelling against it's the idea of any infringement on liberty and they do not think 
that where we are at the moment, considering Sajid Javid has just announced that he's going to be reopening the borders as it's been recognised that Omicron is not as dangerous as was once thought. They're wondering, well, so what are the reasons for the increase in um, infringement on our personal liberties? You did have some thoughts that you rang and were shouting at me down the phone about earlier this week, Corey. Would you like to talk about them? I don't shout, you, for starters. Okay. I'm very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I'm a very mellow person, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to politics. I don't get my blood pressure raised. So that said, mm-hmm. yes, I have a problem with reporting generally about lots of things. But I think this is an example of where I have a problem with the hyperbolic nature of our social media echo chambers and also our press to a degree. Because if anybody, anybody who didn't know and you were just sort of a a, a non-paying attention passerby, you would assume that you have to be vaccinated or you can't get into the club. You have to be vaccinated or you can't go to the football match. You have to be vaccinated or you can't go to the pub. And that's just simply not true. And that is why I have an, a, a problem with these uh, accusations that this measure is somehow tyrannical. It's about tyrannical. It's about the slow creep of the um, hand of the state. Or an infringement on our liberties. I it's not libertarian. Because, no, but here's the th- if So if, if, if the measure was... What would Anne Rand say? Va- if, if the measure was you either have to be vaccinated or you're not getting in. Yeah, I'd have a problem with that 100%. But that isn't what it is. It's vaccinated or a negative test. Now, so what do you think about vaccine aside, mandates then? Putting aside for one moment the fact that people can't get lateral flow tests at the moment because since mm-hmm. the announcement was made, everybody bought them out. Putting that to one side. I'm sorry. We're in a, we're in a once-a-century pandemic. Um, I don't see the problem in flipping doing a 10 second lateral flow test on a little piece of a little bloody piece of thing and have and showing that as negative oh i'm not i don't have covid all right let me in i don't, I don't see the problem with that like i said if it was just a case of you've got to be vaccinated or you're not getting in yeah i'd have a problem with that because whilst i think a lot of the anti-vax arguments are ridiculous that's not the point because that generally that genuinely is a question of people's freedom to choose and you should be free to put into your body whatever you want regardless of, of whether regardless of whatever position you take on vaccination, medicines, whatever. And of course, there are a lot of people who simply can't take the vaccine for medical reasons. Now, I'm sure there are some kind of caveat. There, there must be some kind of caveat. They are absolutely exempt if you um, are not able to take a vaccine for yeah. health reasons. You just need to have an exemption from your um, special from a, your specialist, not from a generalist, from your specialist. Right, 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 exactly. <clears throat> so as I said, I just don't see the big who, I don't see the issue with it. Um, it's either a negative, it's either vaccination or a negative test. It's not just vaccination. Um, so I, I, I don't see the problem. I don't see the problem as long as as long as these measures are temporary. Uh, as long and uh, and and I, I, yeah, I, that's it. I, I just don't see the problem with it. Now, yes, as you said, hundred Tory MPs voted against it. Now you could be cynical and say, well, if Labour Labour because Keir is so wet, he basically he 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 gave he said he was going to vote with the government. So you mm-hmm. could be cynical and say, well, if Starmer hadn't have given that assurance to the government, then they would have actually just bit their tongue or some of them would have bit their tongue and voted with the government. But it was yeah. sort of, a, it was a cheap, it was a cheap rebel. It was an easy rebellion because- but This is the thing, because he also announced beforehand 
One, he announced before he had any sort of negotiation yeah. with the government that he was going to go along with them. He also failed to get any sort of concessions from the government, which is the point of the opposition party, is uh -huh. to one, get concessions, or to protect the part of the um, population that they've not taken into consideration to represent their own constituents and represent the, constitu the, um, the constituents of the country that voted for them. Kirstama chose not to do any of that and to follow yeah. along blindly without even any sort of in-depth reading or understanding of the... Um, of, of what we're passing to be honest now of course he would say and has said that he's not trying to play politics he's trying to be he's it's trying to be he's trying to do what his in, in considers the... increasing of sick pay which is a lot of the reason why people are going into work while they're experiencing low level covid symptoms is because people are not able to get any sort of comprehensive sick pay which is why we're in the position where we are but you see people out on public transport at work experiencing covid symptoms and he has failed to even do the bare minimum which but is standing in his is, role as opposition. And we know what he said. He's failed to stand in his role well, as opposition. Go on, carry on. What he said is, is that he's, 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 he's working in the national interest. He's not trying to play party politics. He's not so trying to support it's in, so and just pay, vote against so a comprehensive, the government for the sake so of voting That's the not government. voting against the government for the sake of voting against the government. Comprehensive sick pay for the for the nation is 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 taking the national interest into account because more people would take the time off that is required to isolate and get better if they knew that they were going to be able to pay their bills if you know that you've got covid and you're not throwing up and you think you can stand up and do your job and you've got to make the choice between um no no pay or um, um or statutory sick pay which is not going to cover your bills or your rent for the month or going into work people are going to choose to go into work I think what's also interesting about this one, though, is the fact that, as you said, uh, when you when you introduced it, <clears throat> so many Tory rebels voted. So basically half of the non-governmental Tory MPs voted against the government. So 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 obviously you've got all of the MPs, you've got the MPs who are cabinet ministers, who are junior ministers, and then you've got the backbenchers who don't have a government position. So they don't so that they're freer to speak their mind and vote how they want. Half of them, half of them voted against the government. Um, it, so it it signals it signals to next year in the sense that it's it this is them showing Johnson that they are almost totally against him at least on this and on other things. So he's got very limited rope left with them. Very sorry, very he's got very limited um, good favor with with those MPs, those MPs who could force him out. So to me, that says next year he either has to. He's either going to double down. He's got two options. He'll double down and keep and keep pissing them off, in which case they will eventually push him out. Ooh. Or what's probably more likely to happen is he's going to placate them. He's going to listen to them more. He's going to uh, go in their direction a bit more. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, if that that's what would make that's what that would be the um, the most obvious prediction of what he's going to do because that would keep him I do think it's power. important to say let's to just I'm just going to give the latest COVID figures from data.gov.uk so daily cases are up 27,268 from last week so we're currently at 78,610 daily cases 165 daily deaths with 146 146,791 total deaths and the vaccination rollout is 76.5% have had their first dose, 
69.8% of the population have had their second dose, and 36.9% have received their boosters, which is great numbers considering the boosters haven't been out for that long. So, you know, <clears throat> we're doing okay. I mean, we can't really be sure on what the actual um, number of currently people in hospital with the Omicron variant, as D um, Dominic Raba, Deputy Prime Minister, has been on the news with saying that there's nine people in hospital, and also there's 250 people in hospital in at the top of the morning this today. So uh, who really knows what the actual number is, but I think so, you know, we haven't had as much uproar as we had about Diana, but so that's interesting, and this is a far more important number. Um, so, I mean, it shows that the government is not even on top of what it needs to be on top of, but we can take heed of the fact that the borders have been reopened and Sajid Javid has made the decision to reopen the borders based on the... Um, Get rid of the red list countries. Oh, yeah, he's got rid of the red list countries. He's got rid of the requirement... Or the red list, yeah. He's got rid of the requirement to, to um, isolate in a hotel or an isolate in a specific place where you can now isolate at home. So these things are sort of indicators that Omicron is maybe not as deadly as it was first thought. I believe the um, figure is 25% less aggressive than the other variations of COVID and the Delta variant, which is quite aggressive. So I think we can try to be upbeat. I think that's the only option is to be upbeat. Otherwise we're just gonna get bogged down in the mire of feeling like as if we, we've not made any progress, which I think we have, and we need to recognise there has been progress made, not necessarily by the government, but as a country, we've made progress with regards to the level of vaccinations, people who have had their seconds. So we have do have a wall of safety that we're working towards, a wall of safety with regards to around the NHS, so there should hopefully be less hospitalisations. I do not agree with the decision that has been made to stop all um, treatment to um, on the NHS and to focus everybody to basically redirect everybody to to the um, booster rollout. I think I don't think that that's a great idea because there are people who need very important um, treatment. So essentially, all non-emergency treatment has been stopped to redirect all NHS resources towards boosting, and I don't think that that's the right call at all. There are people who it's Absolutely. not proportional it's, it's not, not, proportional. not proportional like how are you it doesn't make any sense to get rid of a red list and essentially to have free movement between us and all countries so if it's not that serious that we can have free movement and you're just testing people at the border which as a person who travels know that you're not to then not be um boosting people it's just to um, be not be um seeing people in the hospital there was i think though i think what's urgent care that is required it's not emergency care but there is urgent care that is required that people are not going to get I, I was discharged from the hospital two years ago at the start of COVID, and all now I've not got a call back. I don't, I'll ever see the get to see the doctor anytime soon in the next couple of years. Um, I was going to say, I think it is obvious though that they are they're definitely overcompensating because they've been mm -hmm. caught on the back foot so many times over the past two years. I, yeah, I do get it. That's definitely what they're doing, no doubt about it. They they're going all in because <laughs> for the for the, you know whatever wave we're on now they're trying not to be caught out again and told that and i do and i do think and, and not to be you know a government fan girl but I, I do think people are not really sort of seeing things for the wider picture everyone is complaining 
about the, you know, the introduction of the red list. And I do think there was very much with regards to the optics and the choices that they made over the red list, which shows that it wasn't just about safety. It was about politics because countries where the Omicron variant had been discovered were not all um, placed on the red list. So I think that is important. But it, is, it does make sense for them to decide, OK, straight away, all of these countries are going to be put on the red list. You are going to be required to um, quarantine when you arrive. You're still allowed to come, but you'll have to quarantine when you arrive, no ifs, ands, or buts. It makes sense because when they didn't do that previously with the Delta variant and people were complaining about people still being able to fly in here from India and Southeast Asia, we, everyone was complaining about it and that they didn't put them on the red list until about a week later. So it makes sense. Make a, make a decision, make it fast, and then you can roll it back. And I understand that there will be some backlash and understand that there were some people will be um negatively affected but do what you think is best to protect the majority of the country and in this situation i think it was a, a choice that had to be made so just one last thing uh the third measure that was voted on in parliament last night so in addition to wearing masks in indoor venues and public transport and in addition to the uh covid passports the third measure that was voted on was to make it mandatory for uh, NHS staff to be vaccinated mm -hmm. by April, either March or April. In, I think it's March, sorry, the month escapes me. But yes, that was also voted on. Um, there were also Tory MPs who voted against that, but not as many who voted against the uh, COVID passport uh, initiative. So yes, they are going to make it mandatory, as has been mooted and murmured for the past few weeks that yes, it is going to be mandatory for uh, NHS, for frontline staff to be vaccinated. So this is an uncivilised, uh, legally disputable uh, removal of the rights of people who may not be good people, but then put them in front of our courts and punish them. That's the way British justice will work. That's the way British democracy should work. And that's what we should do today. So now we're moving on to talk about the Nationality and Borders Bill, something that Pretty has been itching to bring out for the longest time and I'm sure she was thwarted by COVID which verily upset her however she's now had the freedom to essentially say no 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 none of you we don't want any of you here get out get away and Corey has been doing his uh, googles and he's going to give us the lowdown on that and I'm very very interested to hear your take on the nationality and borders bill Corrance I know Pretty's one of your faves no she's not and secondly, I've been doing a bit. I've been doing a bit more than Googles. All right, I've been reading the actual bill. Thank you about my Ooh. Googles. Yeah, but you Googled. You Googled to get to the website to get to Hansard no, to read no, the bill. No, I went to bills.parliament.uk. I think oh. that's where I went. Okay, okay. I mean, didn't use Google first. Confession: I didn't read the whole 120-page bill. Um, Ooh, sorry. Well, there you go. I didn't read it all. You know, sorry. <laughs> you tried your best. It's 120 pages. Sorry. I doubt most MPs have read it. Anyway, um, well, a lot of them anyway. So, yes, the Nationality and Borders Bill, which we discussed a few months ago uh, when it was first brought before Parliament. Yes, it had its final third reading in the House of Commons last week, Tuesday, and it was voted through. So now it moves on to the House of Lords, where they will be uh, reading through and debating and adding amendments and then finally sending it back to the Commons with their amendments. So yes, uh, a lot of people have had a lot to say about this. We've had a lot to say about it in past episodes. 
um, especially when we were speaking about the citizenship aspect. So the Nationality and Borders Bill is essentially broken down into three parts. Part one is nationality. Part two is asylum. And part three is immigration control. Um, we will probably just focus mainly on the nationality aspect because that's what's been, well, I was going to say that's what's been getting the most traction. Uh, not really. That, it's been getting equal traction with the, uh, with the asylum bit. Um, so, so the nationality part, the, the most uh, striking bit of that is actually clause nine, which relates to the notice of decision to deprive a person of citizenship. Mm. Uh, we, I will return to clause nine because that is now also the subject of a petition to parliament. Uh, as I said, part two is about asylum. So that's about sort of treatment of refugees, how they, uh, how asylum claims are processed. Obviously, this is in the context of all of the boats and dinghies that have brought thousands now of refugees to the UK this year alone and have also been for the past few years, obviously, since the, I guess, really over the past, <clears throat> well, the better part of the last 10 years, really, especially since the, um, since, since, since the chaos in Syria um, erupted. So that is about that. And that's about Priti Patel wanting to look strong for the conservative base and to not lose any of those, not get any, if there is a future incarnation of UKIP or the Brexit party, make sure we've got those people locked in so they don't mm -hmm. go across to those because we're That's tough on crime is, yeah. and tough on asylum seekers and tough on those people who shouldn't be in our country. Go on. Those are the people who are taking our jobs. Yes. Uh, and as I said, part three is on immigration control related to the asylum aspect because it's, you know, about it's sort of illegal entry to the UK and illegal immigration and all that sort of thing. So <clears throat> going back to the first section, as I said about nationality, that uh, clause nine, so we, we discussed this a few months ago when this was first brought before Parliament because it relates to depriving people of their citizenship. And of course, this is also in the context of Shemaima Begum, who was the 15-year-old girl who uh, went to join ISIS and subsequently had her citizenship revoked because her parents were born in Bangladesh, even though she was born were... in London. Uh, <clears throat> so, yes, Clause 9, as I was saying, essentially allows the Home Secretary now, but the Home Secretary already had the power, and I will come back to this because this is my big gripe, again, with headlines and hysteria and hyperbole. The Home Secretary already had the power to strip somebody of their citizenship for mm -hmm. a, a, a narrow group of reasons, such as somebody goes to join a terrorist group. So essentially national security, somebody who's essentially a threat to national security. Mm -hmm. Power has been around for decades. It's hardly been used up until the past few years. So mm -hmm. in 2016, it was in the teens, I think 16 people. Uh, in 2017, it shot up to over 100. Mm -hmm. So it's something that historically hasn't been used, partly because governments have seen it um, because of essentially what the Nazis did. Um, and it's mm -hmm. been, it's been, fr it, Interesting. It's been frowned on in the sense that... Of course, that yes, you know, making people, the other stateless in people place just is considered their home. It's very... It does um, have some very uncomfortable connotations to it. Yes, so that's and why... I think it's, it's been, I believe, the scope for the amount of people... Oh, sorry, can I get what you were saying? No, I was just going to say, yeah, that's why it's been steered away from. Yeah. The, in the past, before the last 10 years, it was mainly used... And again, national around national security, it was mainly used against, like, Soviet spies. You know, people who were British who were spying for the Russians in the Cold War. That was mainly the people it was used against to take their citizenship away. 
Um, so, so as I was saying, clause nine. I'll, but the, so the difference now with this, as I said, the Home Secretary already had the power to take somebody's citizenship away for a select group of reasons, and also the person had to also be able to um, technically be able to be a citizen of somewhere else or be a dual national. So the argument with Shamima Begum was, even though she was a British citizen and she wasn't actually a dual national, but technically because her parents are from Bangladesh, she could have got Bangladesh citizenship. Therefore. I guess the, the cop-out is, oh, we're not really making them stateless because they uh, could be a citizen Even though Bangladesh had made it quite clear that she would not be eligible for citizenship Indeed. in their country. So, so the difference now is that with Clause 9, it allows the Home Secretary to not give notice. So before, you had to give somebody notice. They had to be told. Whereas now, with this clause, it allows the Home Secretary, again, for a narrow group of reasons. Nah, I say narrow, I'll read it out because it's, it's no, narrow. It allows them to, to, reason, not, no, it them to not give notice for yeah. a narrow group of reasons, or, and that was already been weakened to prior to this, notice can be given by putting a note in their file. And also it has the ability to be applied retrospectively. Hmm. So, so what this does is, it, it, if the Secretary of State, if the, if the Home Secretary says, well, um, it's not, it wasn't practicable to give them notice, or we're not giving them notice in the interest of national security or otherwise in the public interest. So I say narrow in the sense that there's like a list of four things in clause nine, but it's not narrow in the sense it says otherwise in the public interest. I mean, you could stretch that. You could stretch that by saying, oh yeah, you could just say, oh, well, it wasn't in the public interest. But considering the precedent that was set with Shamima Begum, that mm. the precedent does not does not go in your favor the precedent goes in that it cannot be stretched at all there's very mm. seems to be very little room for stretching if we're being honest mm. so, and again the issue is where it can be applied retrospectively it removes your option it makes it very difficult for you to be able to appeal also if you're outside of the country yes so the government have said no you will be able to appeal but of course you know practically how easy will that actually be um, so anyway, there are now 262,440 signatures um, for a petition to remove Clause 9 from the Nationality and Borders Bill. Um, and at the start of the petition says, we believe this is unacceptable and inconsistent with international human rights obligations because individuals could be stripped of their British citizenship without warning. Mm -hmm. So when you have a part, when you have a petition to Parliament, you at 10,000 signatures, the government have to respond. As yet, the government haven't responded. It was eight days ago now where it passed the 10,000 mark. And at, once you get to 100,000 signatures, Parliament has to consider it for a debate. Mm -hmm. And at, at present, Parliament has not given a debate date yet. And, have, and that mark was crossed five days ago. So, uh, so this will be debated in Parliament. Obviously, not going to be before Christmas, probably January, February, some point next year mm. um, to remove Clause 9. Given the fact that the House of Commons voted it through, uh, through on all three readings, and Labour and didn't, it survived. didn't oppose either, there was no whip to oppose either. Indeed. So, um, it's safe to say that it probably won't be removed. Um, so yeah, David Davis, uh, well, actually, I'll play that because it was interesting. We'll put that in at the end of this section. Mm -hmm. David Davis, Conservative MP, wants a potential Tory leader was actually arguing quite vociferously against Clause 9. Um, he's, he's just not a fan of this bill at all, which is interesting. Because Again, it's so very immoral. I think it's only also mm. important to point out that the, um, the other stuff in the bill is that it makes 
basically you um you cannot make an asylum claim or your asylum claim becomes illegal if the route that you've chosen is is classed as an illegal route though up until now it has not been illegal to come here on a boat and claim asylum on a boat however you get here is how you get here it's not illegal to claim asylum um if you came in on a boat because coming across the channel on a boat is also not an illegal activity yeah so (laughs) you're you're at what they try as part of it they're trying to make it illegal if yeah, they make it illegal. Through, if you've gone through an, if you arrive in the UK country. by an illegal route, then your um your your um asylum claim is inadmissible, and mm. it also makes you a criminal. And anybody who tries to save anybody's life on an illegal route to the country also potentially risk criminal prosecution. Mm. And any border force staff who are involved in pushbacks, that's pushing um, um boats back out to sea that are trying to land in the UK, they are also um, immune from prosecution if anybody dies in the pushback operation. Right. And the Home Office has described British citizenship as a, I'm going to read out what they said. The Home Office has said British citizenship is a privilege, not a right. Deprivation of citizenship on conducive grounds is rightly reserved for those who pose a threat to the United Kingdom or those whose conduct involves very high harm. The Nationality and Borders Bill will amend the laws so citizenship can be deprived where it is not practicable to give notice, for example, if there is no way of communicating with the person. Citizenship is absolutely not a privilege. It is absolutely a right. What are you talking about? If citizenship is not a right and is only a privilege, then what is the point of civil society whatsoever? Yeah. See, my, my thing with this is, and I think I've said this before, like I, I probably will sign that petition, but I just think it's, I think people are crying once and the horse, is, the horse, the horse hasn't bolted. The horse is probably dead and had a bunch of kids by now because this is such an old issue in terms of being, the state being able to take your citizenship away that's it's, the problem it's, it's the changing it's, of the param yes that's the problem and there if we, the if, we, if we if we're honest there hasn't been the creeping arm of the estate has been going on since you know terrorism has taken um has come onto the, the front burner there has been very much a, a, a land grab for um human rights and civil liberties however the expanding of the scope which, we, which is why something I said to you previously, it's the expanding of the scope, it's a limiting of the rights to appeal, it's a limiting of the attempts to be able to contact you, which makes this very, very dangerous law and also the broad spectrum of which it can be applied. But it's, to me, this is like saying, oh, oh, you're going to fight me. Oh, that's okay. Just give me a warning that you're going to fight me. No, I think the fight is the, you wanting to fight me in the first place is the problem. It, it just seems like we're, we're just, we're getting <clears throat> stuck in the I think we need to take, on a minor issue. Like we're getting stuck in the weeds on the people, minor issue and yet. Not like, that it's not important. It's it is just, important. Because there's a it's bigger, like, the, the, the bigger the, thing is your look citizenship what happened, being taken away. But look That's how many people with, who were caught up in the wind, in the Windrush scandal who went away on holiday to um, where their parents were from or where their families were from or went away on holiday in general and were not able to get back in the country because they were not given notice, because there wasn't a requirement to give notice. And they were stranded in countries, homeless, destitute. Some of them died for ongoing two plus years. So absolutely, yes, it, the horse has left the station, but it's getting worse and it has expanded the scope in which it can be applied, which is what is the issue. But why is nobody fighting for, for government not to be able to take your citizenship away? They but are fighting. For the, they are fighting. Why aren't they as loud? It has been pointed out even the... that, I think it was pointed out with regards to Shamima Begum. 
you okay, as yeah, a government fair enough, fair enough, are re- are responsible for the crimes of your citizens you cannot absolve yourself of the crimes of your citizens of pun- of punishing them under your law in your courts is that not the reason that we have extradition laws for bring them over here punish them under our courts and put them in our jails that is the point you cannot you know just sort of farm out your criminals or farm out your citizens to other countries and wash your hands of them in the hopes that somebody else will take take on the challenge what are you talking about? There's absolutely no way we would accept Iraqi criminals here or Iranian criminals and be like, no, no, Iran, you can't take them back. We would be like, um, or Iran said, no, no, somebody, they're your citizen now. You've got to keep them. And all of a sudden we're stuck with somebody who was doing God knows what from where or who, like, do you know what? Like, come on, let's be realistic. That would not even be allowed. England wouldn't even tell Iran that they were coming and they would dash them on the plane and tell, say, De- deal with it on the other side. They're not allowed to come back into the country. So let's be real and let's not pretend that this is not a situation in which this government would not accept it. On the other hand, we won't even accept people who are fleeing for their lives in countries which we have been instrumental in providing bombs for, allowing them to claim asylum here. So there's definitely no way we would take their criminals. So why do we think that it's okay to to offhand them to somebody else under whatever circumstances? So it's interesting you mentioned farming out. So under the asylum section of it, uh, and this isn't something, so what what they're trying to do is now, they're trying to, if, so if, if people come here as asylum seekers, they're trying to get them out of the country and then process them somewhere outside of the country, which like is Australia did on Nuwaru, which is just, honestly, which is honestly, so, it's I mean, a human rights. Did debacle. they not think of the optics, or did they, I guess they just don't care? They love the optics. That's the <laughs> optics that they want. What do you mean? The optics of yes, we've put well, we've put yes. all the dirty immigrants on a little island they can't even get to, you and we'll decide whether we allow them after eight years to come onto our blessed country. That's well, the, that, that, those yeah. are the optics that they want. Well, that is it, isn't it? Because they fight because when you've got Nigel Farage going on a boat out into the channel every day and moaning how, oh, we're just letting them all in. I guess, yes, those are the optics they want. No, 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 no. We're actually pushing back really, really hard in so much so that uh, we, we're going to have the, the one idea apparently muted was to to have people processed in the Falkland Islands. Uh, another yeah, one. Would, absolutely love they've been, that. They've been trying to talk to Albania yeah, and yeah. I think Denmark about trying to uh, trying to have a processing centers there. It's just, it's wild. Uh, but I don't think anything's going to come of that because I do not see one of those countries saying, yeah, Absolutely. sure. No, Rwanda even. They tried, Rwanda, they wanted to, they wanted to process. How does that make sense? The processing center in How Rwanda. does that even Rwanda. make sense? But just think of the cost. So you want to charter all of these planes. They wouldn't be chartering. It's wild that you think they would be well, chartering any planes. The hope, the hope is, is that people will give up and stay where they are or yes. go back to their home. Or they'll be like, here you go, we'll give you £1,500 if you go back where you come from. That's that's the hope. That's absolutely what they're hoping to do. Wait, isn't that what, it, isn't that what, it, isn't that what they wanted to do in the 60s to be from the Caribbean? Yeah. So, some, and so they weren't able to do that. So now they've got this. So good luck to, to the rest of us, what? love. Soon enough, they'll be grand? asking... Yeah, Somebody, there was a proposal to give everybody was it two grand to get go go back home? Already they start, they've spent they spend their time asking people to prove where they're from. Do you know what BMP, I mean? Actually, I remember. I remember a few years ago that is what they were doing. They were spending their time asking specifically black elders to prove that they had the right to be here and they right they had the right to access NHS services. The idea that those things won't be happening again is um, naive, to say the least. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBainPod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said. <laughs>